Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome in here. It is the grid, sportsgrid.com. The early line, Dane Martinez, Joe Ranieri here. I want to thank you guys so much for stopping by and hanging out with us as we begin the week. Uh, feeling good. We had uh, some excitement over the weekend, at least. We've got UFC coming down a pike here this week, which is fun. And then, of course, next week, uh, get ready. NASCAR, it's going to seem like uh, four, five, six, seven days a week. Uh, and then slowly but surely, we'll uh, we'll be getting back into a rhythm and hopefully have some clarity here regarding the uh, the NHL, the NBA, and of course, uh, still pushing a little bit closer to college football. Uh, getting an understanding of that, as we have heard over the weekend, uh, more and more about what needs to happen in order for college football to go off on uh, on time. So we'll. Uh, we'll give you that information. But all in all, the weekend was pretty exciting that we had some great horse racing going on, some excitement there. I know a lot of people across the country trying to get back into a rhythm there and getting ready for what might be at least uh, a step forward here and trying to get back to their normal lives here as uh, many states and cities across the country have begun to open up uh, little by little. So. Hopefully the weather held out. Hopefully you guys were able to get outside, have some fun, and hopefully you won a few bucks there over at the Arkansas Derby. Sure. You know, but we also heard, Dan, we uh, we did get some uh, more NFL information uh, coming out, and to absolutely no shock to anybody, uh, the and this is I, I anybody that was really surprised about Leonard Fournette not being. Um, that option not getting picked up, I don't know what to tell you uh, because that, quite honestly, uh, we knew that was coming. The question is, what does they decline his fifth-year option, which is going to make him at this point a free agent running back next year, Dane. And right. you've got to ask yourself, do you think at some particular point between now and the start of the season, is he even going to be a Jacksonville uh, Jaguar? Because we all know how running backs Right. Wait in the NFL, and if uh, if teams don't uh, necessarily want to deal with him, or want to, ha- he would have made I think eight or nine million dollars if they had picked up the option. So that's out. Now he's probably going to want to push his way out. I mean, let's face it, Fournette's probably going to be like, just get me the hell out of here. But unfortunately, right. what team is going to be in a position now to go? Sure, Leonard Fournette, exactly. come on, play for us, and then we'll just we'll go ahead and negotiate a long term. Like hey, he's right. in no man's land right now, Dane. That's the problem with running yeah. backs. I agree with you, but listen, it's the same. At this point in time, it would be the same thing. Remember when the Jags traded Jalen Ramsey to the Rams, right? Right. And the Rams made the trade, but then they knew that it was a horrible trade unless they lock him up long term, right? So I don't know what team is going to trade for Leonard Fournette, knowing that he's kind of on the last year of his deal, and then, you know, go sign him after the cost of, you know, whatever draft pick it was to trade him. I actually think the more likely option, Joe, is that the Jaguars, you know, squeeze every ounce out of him they can, give him a ton of carries this year, right. and then just know that he hits the ground, you know, he hits the market, and he's not their problem anymore. Right. But I don't think that any team is going to actually spend a draft pick to go and get Leonard Fournette and then have the same headache of how to negotiate a long-term deal with 
I'm with you. I'd kind of be shocked if that was uh, going to be the situation. But that's the reality of running backs in the NFL. And right now, I mean, let's face it, between the injury concerns and everything else with Leonard Fournette, it's not exactly like I'm sure some teams would love to be able to have him. It would be a nice addition. Uh, but if you're Leonard Fournette, much like Melvin Gordon learned, like, okay, what do you, what do you think the market is going to? Right. What, what exactly do you think you're going to get? And it's probably not going to be anywhere near what you think. And then the reality is going to have to set into, yeah. And anybody who doesn't think the right. Jags are completely in a position right now to go, yeah, we might add a veteran quarterback. We might not. You are in for one quarterback and one quarterback only, and I do believe that quarterback's not even on the team yet this year, Dane. I do think that everything they're going to do is to, come on, guys, let's um, yeah, let's go ahead and build for the future and get this quarterback right. out of Clemson. Uh, because the, uh, the minute they trade him, and I think they will, the, the tank is on, folks, I, and everybody oh, yeah. should know that. And keep that in mind as you begin to look at some of these numbers moving forward with teams playing Jacksonville this year. I think that's a good point, Joe. And here's the other thing. And, you know, a lot of people are connecting these dots of maybe Andy Dalton right. signing with Jacksonville. Yep. But honestly, listen, if your goal, and I'm, I'm with you, Joe, I think, I think the real next quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars is Trevor Lawrence or Josh yes. Fields, right? right. Someone else. So, to be honest, I don't know that bringing in Andy Dalton actually helps their long-term vision because, Joe, right. in the same way that, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick messed around and won some games for the Dolphins when they yep. were trying to tank, I think Dalton has actually the ability to do the same thing. If you have him on the center for 16 games for the Jaguars, they're going to win more games, you know, and they're going to be drafting fourth or fifth, not yep. number one like they want. So I actually don't know that you connect the dots of Andy Dalton necessarily to Jacksonville, but I think it may compromise their long-term plan to make it better Andy Dalton. It's, listen, there's, um, it's going to be, even still, even where we are right now as we begin in May, guys, I think there's going to be some very interesting opportunities for some teams and for some players, and I certainly think for betters, Dane, that we're going to be in a position uh, to be able to maybe take advantage of, uh, of some perception versus really the reality yeah. of what is going on. And listen, the more people that I talk to uh, in, the, uh, in the NFL uh, pool of reporters that, that cover certain teams, man, the, uh, the craziness in, in Tampa Bay right now is getting to the point where even as excited as a lot of people were, like, oh, Tom Brady's coming, and oh, this is all good, and then Gronk, and... Uh, even they're starting to take a step back and be like, it's it's out of control and it's causing a lot of overvaluing uh, across the board. And while they do think they're good, even the folks that care that follow the team and are in that area are like, I listen, it's nice on paper, but so was Cleveland last year. Right. And you can go down the list, and even they're starting to go. I loved it when they were a seven and a half, eight win team at best when it started. He's like. And now he's telling me, he's like, that's ridiculous. You know, some people think that we're going to be looking at a minimum of 10 wins in this year. And it's like, whoa, slow the horses here, guys. Uh, they haven't even practiced together yet. So now we're starting to get to the point where even the people covering are like, I, yeah, can we hold, let's hold down here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Joe. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at our friends mm -hmm. on FanDuel are right now the third choice yes. to win the NFC at 7-1. to one. Okay, so all of a sudden, and I get it. Tom Brady is huge. Rob Gronkowski is huge. I understand 
what they have. The idea that Jameis, if you almost take him out, it's addition by subtraction, right. given the turnovers and the close losses that they had last year. But this is a little bit much, right, Joe? I mean, 7-1 to one to win the conference? Yep. Think about that. Behind only New Orleans and San Francisco, yep. I think that has, to your point, gone a little bit too far. We'll see if there's a self-correction in the marketplace. Yeah, I think it's happening. It's going to come here, guys, because he, even the people who follow the team are like, yeah, these, these people are nuts here. Like, And I get it because you've got the perfect storm of, you know, people right. having to been uh, quarantining here for a couple of months. All of this, ha the NFL moves forward, and... Uh, the excitement and the Patriot fans is another one, Dan, that they just continue to be dumbfounded. Uh, talk to a few of them, too, the diehards. Yeah. And, of course, my first question was, so you're going to go out and buy a, you know, a TB12 Bucks jersey, right? Because you're such diehard fans sure. of Tom Brady, right? And they they got that. They got that like jilted girlfriend kind of look going on. Like they felt like, scorned. Yeah, 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 like how dare you leave? So like now it's it's funny. They they're like twenty years. Like they want to hate him. They're having that crossroads and that hard time going right. getting there. But I, and listen, when you think about it, what would we have thought if Derek Jeter went to play for you know the Baltimore I, Orioles? So I I get it. You know what I mean? I I get it. But at the same time. Just come to the realization, you're Patriot fans first. You're pretty much Tom Brady fans next. But, boy, they really want to blast them, but they're holding off doing it. It's got to be tough for Patriot fans. I'll give them that. It is, but this is not without precedent, Joe, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Like, 49ers fans, did they hate Montana yep. when he went to Kansas City at the end? Did Colts fans hate uh, you know, Peyton Manning when he went to Denver at the end. Think about Brett Favre for the Green Bay Packers yep. fans who not only left, but went for a while to their <laughs> hated rival of the Minnesota Vikings, right? Yep. And the New York Jets. Like, you have to understand when the page gets turned. Joe Namath was a Los Angeles Ram at one point. This happens, right, when stars move on. Jordan played for the Wizards, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the right thing is to be thankful be appreciative of all the golden years you got with that amazing Hall of Fame player. Yep. And then, listen, understand, though, that it is a business, and this happens even to the greatest of all time. Always good to see New England Patriot fans uh, buckle sure. a little bit there and get sure. caught because they're not nearly uh, as uh, verbose as they have been here over the last, I don't That's know, right. 20 years. Uh, and, and we forget, too, they did go a little while there without – being relevant in between, you know, the first half of Tom Brady's career and the yep. second half. So it's uh, like back to reality. Now, now you know how the rest of us feel uh, when it comes to that. But it will be fun to actually, I can't believe what I'm saying, it'll be fun to uh, to watch a Tampa Bay Bucks game and the yeah. excitement that's going to be around. Uh, and also, uh, one other thing I forgot to mention, uh, if you don't think the Jags are actually moving on, uh, funny who they brought in here uh, in the backfield, uh, too, over the weekend, Dane, is uh, Chris yeah. Thompson. Remember Chris Thompson? I do. Jay Gruden, uh, big yeah. uh, third down Absolutely. pass catching back out of the backfield. Yeah, he's on yep. his way there, too. So all that production that people are like, oh, Fournette, what are you going to do? He's a great pass catching back. Yeah, they, um, they are doing everything in their power to just plug some holes right now, Dane, and that is about all you're going to get from them. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. And you mentioned Chris Thompson mm -hmm. as a pass catching back, right? He was very solid in that role in yes. Washington. And remember, that is a different kind of back than Leonard Fournette, right? So Leonard Fournette on first and second downs, you know, those running downs. Now, finally, on third down, you'll probably see more of Chris Thompson. So, you know, I always think about this from a fantasy standpoint, Joe, right? That even means more issues for Leonard Fournette because he's sharing some of the touches, you know, right. bigger piece of the pie with someone who can fill that role. But Joe, it also makes me think about Washington yes. because he had that role in Washington. So, you know, if a guy like Darius Geis, for example, yes. can stay healthy, that is an incredible boon to his prospects as well. Because Adrian Peterson is never going to be that pass catching back, right? No. Darius Geis could be. So the idea that there's more potential for a guy like Darius Geis. And then the last thing I'll say on this, remember Washington hmm. also got the kid uh, Gibson. Yes. Um, out of Memphis in the draft. And if you remember, he was one of those slash guys, right? Played wide receiver and running back there. So he could be a skill set to go into that role, maybe some opportunity early in the career there in Washington for Antonio Gibson as well. Yep. When one, one door opens, another, uh, when one door closes, another opens in the NFL. It certainly does. And one of those doors, of course, uh, is been closed on one Andy Dalton. It does, uh, he is waiting to see, and we're all kind of waiting to see what door opens up for him. But we did finally hear from Andy Dalton over the weekend and tried to figure out we hadn't heard exactly what his thoughts on this would be, but it appears that uh, the position he's taking is that, listen, there was no trade for me um, put together because right. everybody knew the Bengals were releasing me. So, and I listen, he's got a point. I mean, everyone, we never discussed Joe, uh, Joe Burrow to anybody, but the Cleveland, uh, you know, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals yeah. rather. So it, it does make sense. Why trade for somebody when you know as soon as that draft's over, they're going to release him? So I, I do think it's a interesting point, even though he was still under contract and he said that that hurt him having that one year left on the contract. But he said most teams are front offices new. They're gonna as soon as they draft borrow, they're releasing him anyway. They're not gonna keep him one year or not. And it also signals to me that Andy Dalton plans on starting or at least competing for a starting job someplace there. So right. uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But I do believe it wasn't an indictment on him. It was an indictment on the situation more than anything else. Yeah. And I guess the one thing I would push back on, Joe, is like the idea when there was no trade kind of partner for him. I still wonder, like, what about like who's the backup quarterback for Cincinnati? Right. Right. Yes. Like this idea you're talking about Andy Dalton. Uh, wants to still be a starter. Yep, and and I I buy that, right? That's why he asked for his release if right. there was no trade market. But are there really any starting opportunities left, Joe? You know, yeah. we're talking about Jacksonville. We talk about New England and stuff like that. Once all those seats get filled, wouldn't it be smart for Andy Dalton to just play out the damn contract and be the backup mm -hmm. in Cincinnati Correct. as opposed to saying be the backup in, oh, I don't know, New York or Washington or Oakland or anywhere else, right? So, I I, I mean... I still don't know if Andy Dalton played his cards right. I'm mm -hmm. not sure yet, and we're not going to know until we ultimately find out where his landing spot is and if he's a QB1 or if he has to wait like Cam Newton for an injury or somewhere else. But I just I wonder why the, the notion of the Bengals retaining him mm -hmm. to be that bridge or be that mentor, I wonder why no one is seeing that possibility. Yeah, eh. 
It's all up to him on what he wants to do. I, I do think, and the argument can be made, that they did him dirty here a little bit, given the fact that they knew this the entire time. He's got $17.5 million, I think, what, coming to him in that final year of the contract. There is really no way they were ever going to keep him. And instead of giving him an opportunity to get that initial surge of job opportunities, if they would have done it prior to the draft, uh, they really didn't. They kind of released him after the fact now. And it's like, oh, great. Well, he asked for his release. Yeah, I, I mean, he you shouldn't even had to have done that. You knew you weren't keeping Andy Dalton in any way, shape, or form. And... Now all the guys sitting there hoping and praying, all right, what's left now? So not exactly a classy thing to do by the Cincinnati Bengals, who uh, a guy that has given pretty much everything uh, to that city, yeah. to that organization. But at the same time, Joe, maybe what they were trying to do was find the trade partner and get something back for him in that time, right? When you're saying, oh, the right thing to do by him mm. might have been to cut bait early, and that's fine. But at that point in time, maybe they were still seeing if they could get a fifth-round draft pick for him. Yeah. And that would be smart by the organization to see if they could get anything for him. You know, it's not about, I mean, it kind of looks on its face like maybe they were doing him dirty, but maybe they were just trying to get any kind of compensation for him in the last month or so. Yeah, well, they knew the only way he'd be coming back is less than the 17 and a half million they would have had to pay sure. him. So he'd have had to reconsider. It, it, it was never happening. Unless something happened to Joe Burrow, it really was never going to be in the cards for Andy Dalton to continue in Cincinnati. And listen, that, you know, no, it's a business at the end of the day. I mean, it would have been uh, nice if they could have given well, him an opportunity, but it is what well, it listen. is. Jadavion Clowney, right, mm -hmm. didn't get the offers he wanted and now may go back to his team. Right. Everson Griffin is not getting the offers he wants and is now thinking, oh, maybe I will go back to Minnesota. I'll be very interested to see if Andy Dalton sees that in the next two months, mm -hmm. there is no market for his services, right? right? Like Jacksonville don't want him. New England don't want him. No, and the only deal he could get is as like a Jameis Winston, $1 million a year backup. I wonder if he's in that situation if he comes crawling back and be like, hey, since he give me $2 million, I'll be your backup. You know, right. we still don't know what kind of opportunities and options Andy Dalton has on the open market. Just yeah, it's, uh, it remains to be seen, but uh, also uh, that humble pie. What are you going to be, Andy? What do you want to do? You can play, but who are you going to play right. for and in what capacity? We'll so much to be determined there. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. Thank you guys very much for stopping by, hanging out with us here as, uh, as we still push forward here. First week in May, kind of crazy to say that. And I still find myself asking what the hell day it is. And, uh, all right. but hopefully all of that will start to get a little more normal uh, for all of us uh, around the country here as Looking forward to some US, uh, UFC fights uh, coming up uh, this weekend on the 9th and really what it seems like might just be a NASCAR race a day 
uh, beginning next yeah. week. So that too is uh, coming up. We are expecting maybe some uh, some golf to resume. We know uh, we still got some horse racing. Great weekend uh, of racing from uh, Oaklawn. So a lot to be excited about. And I'm fairly confident now, Dane, that at some particular point we are going to begin uh, to push forward on both the NBA and the Major League Baseball season. In fact, I know um, the NBA and uh, Las Vegas. I remember when we talked about this, Dan, we talked about uh, Vegas as an absolute possibility that maybe we kicked it around. We knew Orlando and Disney were a situation, but Vegas, we said, they were another place absolutely in a position to be able to house them and keep everybody uh, in a position to be able to quarantine them like that. But the only problem was is Vegas was, uh, we they haven't even opened yet. And so while Florida's kind of in a different ball game, uh, MGM went ahead and they went out and said, hey, listen, we'd have no problem putting together bubble, the whole courts, the teams, the spas, give them an opportunity to stay in the place all in one, you know, they would, they pretty much laid out a plan that would allow the NBA to kind of stay in a fanless bubble in the MGM property, which is, you know, is more than just MGM. Obviously, they have a, a number of different locations there. So um, they could keep everybody, the families, they said, the, you know, the broadcasters, the TV guys, they could, they blew out a plan that would absolutely pretty much put a complete bubble over the property and not allow anybody uh, in or near them, but at the same time would allow the ability to be able to play those games there. So now all of a sudden, while Walt Disney and company uh, certainly have uh, laid out a plan, it looks like now Adam Silver has, well, some options. And one of those includes apparently MGM and, uh, and the ability to be able to uh, set them up. Same type of style, same way, uh, yep. just now a different location. So... Uh, we're getting closer, Dan. It feels like we're getting much, much closer here to a decision to be made one way or the other. Yeah, and listen, this is exactly what we described all the way in the beginning of this, right, Joe? Mm -hmm. we talk, I remember when I kept on talking about, like, the Truman Show. Yes. Right? And it doesn't matter if that Truman Show set, the bubble, is in Disney World, on Vegas, on an island, on a cruise ship, in the Bahamas. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, it, the conditions have to be the same mm -hmm. that all the players and all the staff and families, broadcasters, whatever it is, maids, cooks, whoever it is, they're all in the bubble and then they're quarantined in the bubble to be able to produce this product that is yep. the NBA or Major League Baseball. Right. So I've always thought the idea of having multiple bubbles is a good thing, right? And the same thing about Major League Baseball. It was going to be all the teams in Arizona. Then it was Arizona and Florida. Now we're hearing kind of this other divisional alignment that has Arizona, Florida, and the Central, like kind of having using Texas if need be, right? The more bubbles, the better, right? But that is conceptually what needs to happen. So maybe we got an option in Disney. Maybe we got an option at MGM or on the Strip. Wherever it is, right? Dana White thought there was an option in the um, Native American reservations yep. in California. Yep. So, but regardless, the local governments have to be a part of it, right? right? Yep. Because if you think the MGM and that's cool, but what if the Vegas mayor or the Nevada governor says the same exact thing that Gavin Newsom did 
to the UFC. So that's why these all have to be together. But absolutely, wherever the treatment show bubbles are, that's where they are, and the more the better. Uh, and it, uh, it makes sense. Uh, they're talking about using the, uh, the Mandalay Bay Resort, 4,700 rooms that are connected sure. to two other hotels. So it's a kind of a three-hotel situation there with the courts. Right. They'd also be the Luxors right next to it. They would use that, which means families, everybody would be able to do it, catering teams. And um, it makes total sense. I love it. I, I love the idea. And I, and I think certainly, uh, you know, and I got uh, a lot of friends there in, uh, in Vegas right now. This would, uh, that would be something that would be a tremendous boost uh, to that city and certainly to the folks that are there if they can pull it off. You know, it's right. one thing for a league uh, to be ready for a, a bubble situation. It's a whole nother thing, unfortunately, to have the bubble ready for uh, the league because uh, along with that, testing yeah. and, and staff and how do you, you that's know. That's saying. It has to be a collaborative yeah. thing that's decided. The league is one thing. The players are one thing. The yep. local governments have to be involved, you right. know, whatever it is. That's why, and, and you know, Joe, last week, mm -hmm. remember when, like, LeBron said something. I was like, great, that's nice right. that he could say that, but all of these things are going to have to be collaborative efforts. It's nice for, you know, Dana White to say something or Gary Bettman to say something or the governor of Florida to say something or the head of ESPN to say something, but it's not going to matter unless the union's involved, the team, everyone has to be at the table figuring out a collaborative solution. Yeah, the thing that made Disney so interesting was the fact that it, it's private property. So it, it keeping the okay. fans out, and that was always one of the big concerns about any plan was being in, because you know fans are going to be. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be ridiculous anyway. So, but the ability to, that's why you couldn't have it like in an arena somewhere. And you get a private piece of property like Disney right. World there. It is very easy for them to shut it down, police it, and make sure that everybody in that bubble is safe. Um, but it, they didn't have anything else offered that could do just that. And that's really right, kind right, of where right. it starts. Uh, but when you have a three, you know, a 4,700 room, three hotel, uh, you know, clip there that is privately on that all of a sudden gives you an opportunity now to have some, uh, have some competition. So, uh, you got to have those things in place in order to consider playing. Uh, right. and at least those things right now are in place, either Orlando or, Vegas, Vegas, interesting time slots for both, I would say. Interesting on how to view, uh, certainly from a TV deal, on where that yeah. would work. Uh, but it's uh, maybe even both, Dane. You know what I mean? Maybe even a possibility. Well, I think it would be both. You know what I mean? You know, have split it up. Yeah, absolutely. The same way as in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. We talked about Arizona and Florida, right? I think you do need that because what happens, Joe, with any of these plans? Yeah. I'm seeing right now, by the way, you know, We've talked about Bundesliga wanting mm -hmm. to open up on May 9th. Three players from one team have tested positive. Yeah, right, right? exactly. So it, it behooves you to have options, right? So whether if, if Vegas and Disney World are an option, because you know at some point someone's going to turn positive in one of these options, and we're going to have to think about how they shut it down or how they move or how Absolutely. they continue to adjust and have contingencies. So the more options, the better, Joe. Yeah, the league also, uh, the association shut down the, uh, the, or postponed rather, the draft and the lottery and all of that. Yeah. They were supposed to have a combine, uh, but they have uh, moved and said that, that is, uh, that's not gonna happen. They usually have that, I believe, sometime this month. It was the end of the month it was yep. going to be scared. And that makes total sense, obviously. They'll be able to push that down. Um, 
the draft, I think, was set for June 25th, but all the things that lead up to that draft, uh, we're going to get ready to happen uh, this month. But if you can't right. get guys to combines, it's going to be kind of It's a ripple hard. effect. It really is. But also, it, Joe, I mean, you can't figure out the draft lottery unless you know if you're going to finish the regular season, if the season standings are done do or it. not. You right. can't do the draft order. Yep. At, you know, you can't do the draft yep. if you don't know what team priorities are, if there's still this piece of a season yep. where someone could have a dramatic injury, right? Yep. There's ripple effects. These things have to happen in sequence. And that's what I've been talking about for weeks now, that at mm -hmm. some point you compromise next season. Yes. Right. Unless you want to just bail on this one, because, you know, one thing triggers the next. Right. The play, the regular season tra triggers the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But things like free agency, things like draft position, things like the summer league, these right. are all triggered by, you know, they're just next in line. So we got to figure out, are we playing it out and it's going to push back next season? Right. Or are we kind of throwing some of it? out the window to mm -hmm. preserve the start of next season. It can't be both. It's got to well, be one or the other. Well, it can. And uh, speaking of next season, the NBA, uh, it was reported to over the weekend that, yeah, it's it's getting closer and closer uh, to being a reality. And that is maybe pushing the start of the NBA right. season to December, which had gotten a lot of it gotten a lot of pushback originally when it's and listen, this is not a new topic. It has been brought up uh, in years past right. where there was an awful Starting lot of Christmas people Day. like what in the hell are you doing? Most people don't even feel like the NBA starts until Christmas anyway. Yep. Uh, but why would you want to compete with college football and the NFL for two months there, three months while you didn't make any like sense? Like the World Series. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, Woj had come out there on Friday or Saturday and had talked about uh, that. Yeah, the 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 actual merits uh, of uh, and here's his tweet the actual merits of the of moving the start of the 2021 season are well they're they're ready now they're ready they were they're moving it till December and it's part of the ongoing conversation that uh, maybe just maybe uh, in order to get also and they got to keep this is a great point you want to keep fans or give fans the opportunity to move into buildings with you right and come and watch it. Well, the further you can kick that can down the road, Dane, the better off, the better chance you have. So whatever sure. happens for the remainder of this year, it's going to be without fans. So do you right. really want to? And, I, you know, this is also smart. Do you really want to start next season with the same situation? Or would you rather give it enough time to be able to, uh, you know, come to, a, come to a situation where, yes, we could season starts in December. And you know what, Dane, you can buy tickets now. You can come and see it if you like. And... Uh, it really is starting to get to that particular point where you got to even the starts of next season for any of these leagues starting in December yeah. would give you a lot more time uh, in order to be able to put a plan in place that would include fans, which right now you're going to finish the season without uh, perception would help that fans could buy tickets and start in December. It would, it would, you know, but the, the point still remains, right? Are you sacrificing this season or are you starting to compromise next season? It's one or the other if you're trying to fit this in because the calendar doesn't change, okay? Right. You know, months are still 30 or 31 days long. You're not buying an extra two weeks out of thin air. It ain't happening, right? right. So either you're compromising the end of this season and all of the kind of league business sequence that has to happen 
or you're pushing into next year, right. one or the other. And so, you know, we've talked about this. You're right. Like these have been proposals out there before because in October, November, are people really caring about the NBA and the start of the regular season anyway? Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that it may be valid. They just have to figure it out. And as I always say, Joe, the devil is in the details. And always. now they're starting to get to the point where they're realizing where these other level of details start to conflict with each other. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, too, um, the idea of moving the start of the season is good, but that also means that you are players would be giving up their summers, uh, which they have grown accustomed to, uh, to liking there over the years. But yep. at the same time, you're also increasing the possibility of ratings going through the roof if you're starting in December. And basically, all you're going to have to compete with is Major League Baseball uh, for a lot of that time in between. If football's over, right? College football, bowl games, yep. national championship. Uh, that would also eventually lead to more money for players. And I got to believe that players, uh, they're, pretty, uh, they're pretty straightforward uh, guys. While it would be nice to have your summers off, uh, the ability to be able to make more money uh, because you pushed the season and started it in December, I think, is also something. I don't know that they'd get a ton of pushback. The real question becomes all of those networks that carry Major League Baseball and, you know, yeah, all the also, regionals. What are you going to do when you got NBA now and Major League right. Baseball together? But also, are these owners going to be cool with, you know, sacrificing 10, 20 uh, home dates, you know, and, and the gate, right? Because if you start in December... The season is no longer 82 games. It's, you know, 60 games. It's 50 games. Oh, no, 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 no. The they're eight. talking the whole season. So they're talking about shifting it from where you play your 82 games, but you're going to be playing through the summer as opposed to crowning a champion in June and having, you know, July, August, and, you know, September to yourself. Yeah, that ain't going to happen anymore. But again, your only competition is Major League Baseball. So would, would somebody prefer to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder? Or the Kansas City Royals. And that's, you know, the networks who carry local baseball yeah. teams and have those. Sure. And we know those contracts are uh, are monstrous. Uh, what do you do now if you've got to carry both an NBA team and a Major League Baseball team? And, oh, yeah, which is a better ratings grab? Ooh. And that is why, again, Ooh. all these things need Ooh. to be collaboratively decided because what you're talking about, sure, maybe the owners or the players are like, oh, yeah, I can get some more money. Mm. And the networks, maybe TNT, though, or, mm -hmm. you know, NBC, whoever it is, is like, yeah, but we don't need we don't like this move yeah, because this is not actually a value add for us because we have other programming generating mm -hmm. the same level of advertisement. So yeah. what you're describing is an example, a case study right. of the same damn point I continue to make that mm -hmm. it all, they all have to be at the table to figure out the solution this example yeah maybe the players like this part but not this mm. part maybe the owners like this part but not this part but then what about the networks right so i mean again they've all got to be at the table these unique circumstances will generate some kind of creative solution it's not going to be great for everybody no. but they are going to have to collaborate and figure it out no and they're also already talking about certain players even when they come back uh, going to be very limited in what they're yep. going to do. And, and now names like uh, Zion are being tossed mm -hmm. around and yeah. Steph Curry. And, you know, they're, they're saying that, that Zion might be right. limited. For I what get purpose, it. right? Do I the Pelicans it. really need him to play? Yep. Are they chasing the championship? So what is the value? What is it? What's the reason yep. for him going out there and risking injury 18 times? Any of them, for that matter. And it's certainly, you know, as we've discussed, it's not like it's a revenue generating situation. There's right. really no monetary value 
for teams or players for that matter to risk anything by bubbling them up and traveling there. I mean, somebody's got to pay That's for right. all of that. And, and who the hell's going to do it? I mean, it ain't going to happen for free. And a lot of teams have already lost hundreds of millions of dollars here uh, around the league. So the idea that a team is just going to be like, you know what? Let's go play some games uh, quick. We'll just tack on another 25 million. What the hell's the difference? Uh, and, and oh, yeah, risk your star players getting hurt. And yeah, no, none of it is. It's still a long way away. I, I do think the playoffs would work. But the idea of finishing this season and risking anything uh, is going to be very interesting to see how uh, Adam Silver navigates those waters. So uh, more to come uh, up next with the uh, with the storylines and headlines from the Pharrell. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. SportsGrid.com, the early line. Thank you very much for stopping by, hanging out as uh, we get ready, trying to put the pieces together here in the month of May. Hopefully get ourselves a little action here. We know it's coming here. We, we certainly know that uh, UFC is going to give us an opportunity. NASCAR is going to give us an opportunity. Horse racing continues to give us an opportunity. Uh, we do have some overseas baseball uh, that I know a lot sure. of degenerates have uh, been dabbling into. Uh, good for them. Uh, but we're all kind of waiting patiently to see what's going to happen here with Major League Baseball. And we talked about the NBA's uh, chances and opportunities and some of the things that need to happen there over the, and pretty much this month. Uh, like it needs to be settled now, like sooner rather than later here. And Major League Baseball is no different. Now, a few things have happened here over the last couple of days in Major League Baseball, which kind of shine a light on uh, what we might be able to expect. And uh, one of those things, of course, was, you know, it's not only the players, Dane, that uh, that have to figure out with the owners what happens to the losses and pay and those types of things, but also the umpires. Uh, let's face it, uh, the umpires are, yeah, they got their own deal. They got their own situation yeah. and they get paid too. So uh, apparently behind the scenes, and this is all good news too as well, that uh, I believe it was Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, reported that uh, the umpires, the Umpires Association, uh, have agreed to modify the uh, the collective bargaining agreement, which, of course, dictates how much umpires get paid in a season. And so it looks like they figured it out. Umpires are willing to take a 30% pay cut uh, in order to be able to get the season underway uh, and that's interesting, too, because if you're looking at 30%, and by the way, umpires make, and this was an interesting uh, thing, too, that Nightingale put in the report, they make anywhere from $110,000 to $450,000, Dane. That's what umpires make a season. So Not bad. Nah, uh, but if I'm doing the math right, when you're looking at about a 30% pay cut, we are looking yeah. at a situation where we're probably – right around that 100 game mark i mean that that kind of seems like that would be because that's sure. kind of what we're at now right i mean by the sure. time we're going to get back you're looking at missing probably about 30 percent of the season so i think it's kind of telling if you right. read between the lines that 
Looks like umpires are willing to take a 30% uh, haircut, and the reason being is probably because they're looking at a 100-game season if all goes well. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, back in middle school, right, they taught me how to cross-multiply and figure out ratios, yep. and that's what we're talking about here, Joe, right? So out of 162 games, 30%. I'll round off 30% to be 33 and a third percent right. to be a third. I'm going to round 162 games down to 150. A third of that away leaves you with 100 games. So yes. that means we're right in around the 33, 30, 35% where if we're prorating the season, right, then to prorate all of the financial uh, factors that go mm -hmm. along with the season sounds like we're talking the same language in terms of games and the kind of uh, on the hook for what everybody would have to sacrifice. And this is uh, continues to be, and of all the sports, it really does feel and seem, and all the stories that we're getting, that uh, baseball seems to be, uh, a lot of folks are very confident that baseball will be back in some capacity, whether it be 80, 90, 100 yeah. games that baseball will be played and they're dotting all the I's crossing all the T's right now. And it does look like, of course, we're still looking at about three weeks of spring training. We're still looking at the ability for probably a late June, early July start to the season and kind of go straight through. And that would probably put us if straight through Dane would probably be November, I guess would be the world series somewhere in the uh, going into November, yeah. going into November, which would be nice. And you know, now we've also found out that people like, uh, I don't know, Mitch McConnell, like what U.S. senators and uh, people are calling Rob Manford and suggesting that the uh, sooner baseball get back, the better it is uh, for everybody. So it appears that uh, you have, and again, we talked about the ability to be able to get that cloud cover, that support right. <laughs> uh, in order. So when that pushback comes or when that uh, blowback happens there, uh, you've got other people, much, uh, much more important and higher people than you in order to be able to cover your own ass. And uh, it appears that's happened. Listen, they want baseball back um, and they are willing to do pretty much whatever it is necessary. And it seems that when you get umpires on the same page, uh, owners, players, they are almost there as well. Locations. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're ready to rock and roll. So baseball. I, I still like baseball to come back. I'm still not convinced with the NBA. Um, I'm really not for a lot of the reasons we just discussed, but I do think baseball somewhere between that 80 to 100 game mark, whether it means anything or not in the, in the scope of things, the fact of having baseball is something a lot of people feel they need to get back on television, back for people to be able to enjoy for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. So if we take that leap, Joe, mm -hmm. let's spin this forward a little bit more because another thing I saw in the Nightingale proposal, right, that we are now kind of like judging by and are almost treating as valid and true. So if we work on this assumption, mm -hmm. uh, the way I saw it, Joe, was that the AL and NL West would kind of be merged as one division, right? Yes. Yeah. The AL and NL East would kind of be merged as one division. The AL and NL Central would kind of be merged as one division. I think there was a swap in there. Maybe the Braves and Pirates right. would swap. Uh, there might have been one or two others. So I'd like to get ahead of this, Joe. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get ahead of this because our friends at FanDuel, you know, we don't know how many games they're going to be. So right. the win totals are down. 
You know what they are doing, though, in the futures market is win percentages. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. those win percentages, in the same way you were just talking about the 30% for the umpires and right. the 30% for the games, you are able to prorate a winning, uh, you know, uh, a number of wins in a season to a winning percentage, no okay. matter if it's 162, 120, 145, 80, 100, 75, whatever the case may be. And I find it ironic, Joe, mm. that what they've done so far is literally just taking the win total that a team used to have and converted it to a percentage out of 162. Right. That's what they've done, okay? So if yep. your win total was 81, now your win total, your win percentage future is 50, right. okay? And, and, and working off of that. I believe, Joe, we can get ahead of this and give all the listeners and viewers and fans of the early line and of SportsGrid, we can give them value, Joe. Mm -hmm. Because if those were winning percentages, and we already know if we're, if we're believing the Nightingale proposal, right? right? If we believe that that's what's kind of coming down the pike, then I think we can get ahead of this, Joe. And mm -hmm. I'd like to try to find some value with you. All right. So, for example, Joe, mm -hmm. the, the Baltimore Orioles, right? They have a certain winning percentage out there under the assumption of what their schedule was going to be. Okay. Now, though, they're going to see a lot more of the Washington Nationals, a lot more of the New York Mets, a lot more of the Philadelphia Phillies. The NL East is a good division, Joe, right? Great. There's like four teams, right, that could be real contenders. I think that makes the season outlook for these AFs, a a a AL East teams right. harder. Yes. It makes me want to bet the under. Mm -hmm. On those teams, right? Because now all of a sudden, the Boston Red Sox, okay, maybe they were not as good as Tampa or right. the Yankees, but they were as good as the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Well, now you bring in these other four teams into the division, it's a harder road to hoe. So I think I want to go under on the Red Sox for that kind of reason. Maybe a team in the NL Central that now has to see a right. lot more of the dregs of the AL Central, I'd be more likely to bet oh, I don't know, the Cubs over or the Reds over um, because right. now they're going to get a lot of Royals on their schedule. They're going to get a lot. You know what I mean? Yep. So do you yep. think there are ways to get ahead of this and find value given what we are thinking of the Nightingale proposal and what your opponents might be? It's interesting because what do you think? Uh, and let's be, if we play 100 games, keep it, keep it rounded, right? If we got 100 sure. games on the season, Sure. How many games? What, what's the, the team who is going to be the number one seed? How many games are they winning of that 100, realistically, do you think? Is 60? It, all right, so right. So we're looking at maybe so 60% of a team's yeah. games, they'd have to hit. So what would guarantee them, you figure, 60 yeah, wins, probably? Right? Yeah. So 60 yeah. and above. And is there sure. a shot that, not knowing, of course, uh, and again, because you're talking about 100, and this is the interesting breakdown of it, is what do you do with uh, Garrett Cole, uh, for instance? Because I doubt very much you're going to use Garrett Cole in the same way that you would have. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of starting pitchers that expanded rosters. They ain't going five yes. innings, game, So they, they ain't right. going to be along those lines, which means I hear that? bullpens are going to be way, way more that, important Joe. for but games like things that. But those are things that are the case for everybody, right? right? In this proposal, the schedule is a huge different factor, right? Because Absolutely. All Absolutely. Teams, 
right? But in this proposal, you're only playing your division, right? Okay, so that means your every team's schedule is dramatically different than what we thought it was going to be two months ago. And yes, you're right. The change to the idea of stretching pitchers out or or innings limits for those pitchers, we talked about those, right? But literally, just the schedule. If you are playing only the Eastern Division or only the Western Division, as opposed to having to play 18 games against that division and the rest against the AL Central and the AL West, that is a dramatic difference for the outlook of teams. Not just the idea of, oh, Garrett Cole will be stretched out or these inning limits or that sort of, or how we use the bullpen. If this proposal is in place, the strength of schedule for teams dramatically change. And there's a way to get ahead of that. Yeah, but so does, so does how you approach it. Because whether the right, fact that I'm in an Eastern team, Conference, bro. it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. If I have teams that have better middle relievers, I have teams with better relief pitchers, they had great starters, but you know what? They're not going to use the starters like they would in 162 games. So teams that we think would get crushed in this format because of we're still basing it on a 162-game season, you can't, which means now there are going to be teams that are going to be a hell of a lot better because of the way they're constructed in a 100-game season based upon the facts than 162 normal game season. So if give you me thought an a team was going to win 80 games in a 162 season, Okay, yeah, well, in a 162-game season, if they played just this schedule, yeah, they, the really good teams would probably be really, really good, and the really bad teams would be really, really bad. But we're talking about not the same game. We're talking about a different game. It's coached, different so game is rostered, different everything, which means those middle-of-the-road teams that if everything was equal and they had great starting pitching, but the bullpen was going to be iffy, but hey, Listen, if they could get seven or eight out of their starting pitchers, they're probably going to win more games than Luke. Now, all that goes out the windows if guys like Garrett Cole and Verlander, if he comes back, pitch four or five innings. And then now you're talking about double headers. You're talking about teams that are loaded with certain position players and middle relievers and the ability to go to the bullpen. They're probably going to do, do a hell of a lot better than most people thought based upon 162 game season, but 100 in a condensed and multiple players, there are rosters, I am sure, that just look at Major League Baseball last year after 100 games. Are we talking about the same teams that were in the playoffs after 162 last year? The answer is absolutely not. We never are. Why? Because 162-game season favors certain clubs built right. certain ways. A 100-game season, those same teams, same division, same everything, all of a sudden, they look like world beaters after 100, but you know what? They're not built for 162. Same scenario there when you're looking at 100 games. I don't care who they play, the way they are constructed, some teams are going to do a hell of a lot better for a 100-game season than what they would have in 162. Is it 20% more? Is it 30% more? I think you're going to have teams that are going to win. There's going to be a few teams in this scenario that are going to win 80 games. I, I just, so, it's, it's going to happen. No, here's the thing, right? What I'm talking about in the, the schedule, the changing of the strength of schedule, that's one thing, right? right? What you're talking about is how some other teams may be built that they can leverage a 100-game season better than others. Great. What I'm saying, Joe, is given that, let's try to get ahead of it. Let's try and find out some teams where this is an advantage for, and let's try and find out some teams where this is a 
disadvantage for because the fact that's the same here is that FanDuel is hanging winning percentages mm. that are just prorated off of the win totals. Right. They have not adjusted based on what I'm saying in the schedule divisions or what you're saying, the difference. So of what is the Yankees percentage? So What's the Yankees percentage? What's the Yankees percentage? Who was uh, scheduled to win 105 games? So what what exactly is the Yankees That's winning 62%. percentage? 62 percent okay 62 and so what i'm again. saying is let's use this as an example are they the right? most uh I'll, I'll i'll bring it up i don't see many above 60. 62 okay. like for example i'll tell you the dodgers are 62.5 all right so 62 okay? percent uh, houston games. who is probably the next highest win total let's say okay uh or atlanta atlanta's at 56 so no, you don't have any other 600 ball teams. You don't have here. any. Okay. I'll check Houston because that's the only one I can <laughs> so think of. So you're basically talking 58. 62 and 38. They're at 50. Right. right. They're right. at 58 and a half for Houston. So what I'm saying though here, Joe, is, and I think we're not we're not you know arguing with each other. We're kind of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. The changing schedule, the merging of divisions, is one thing to take into consideration, right? What you're talking about, teams may be better built for 100 games is another thing to take into consideration. So because they haven't changed the odds or the mm -hmm. bets or the totals on FanDuel, right. let's use those considerations and get ahead of it and see where there's value. So let's see this. if... What's a 62% yeah. win on 162 games? How, what, how, did they, how did they come to this 62%? If it was a 162-game season, what is 62, what's 62% of that? What would that be? 100 let's, wins? Let's, what are they saying? It's got to be. I mean, I have to whip out my calculator. Uh, it would be 80 wins. No, it wouldn't be because 80 wins would be what? 50%, 50%. right? 500 ball on 162 game season is 81 wins. All right. So they're saying more. So they're saying 90 wins somewhere around that. Is that what we're looking at? A 60% so of So here's the best way for me to do it. Here's the best way for me to figure it out, right? In a kind of basic math. And we're doing math live on air here, right? right? Like 10% of mm -hmm. 162 games. That's 16 games. That's 10%. That's okay, Joe? Right. Right. So to go from a 500 ball, which we know is 81. So we're talking 97 600 wins, ball. Right. Okay. We're talking 81 plus 16. Right. 97. So a team that had a straight up 97 win total would be a 600% winning percentage. Right. The Dodgers and the Yankees were just over that. So it's a little bit more than 97. So they're basically we're talking like saying, 99 yeah, or 101. So they and basically that's why it kept is it the same. same. Yeah, they basically that's what I'm kept saying. it They the have same. kept it the same. That's the point I'm... DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.